today. I'm intrigued when I go to the scripture to see things that I consider in my personal life keys to opening the doors of God's treasure house. Amen. And I'm not talking about just material blessing. I'm talking about way beyond the material blessings. And the great master key other than faith itself, faith has to be supported and undergirded with thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving that undergirds our faith. It's that attitude of gratitude in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you in every single circumstance of life. In Psalm 50, and I quote it so often, I hope you don't get tired of hearing it. But in Psalm 50, Israel is at the height of the practicing of the prescribed sacrificial system. And they're bringing him the requisite sacrifices, the required sacrifices according to what they had been told. They were mixing the incense with the ingredients that he said. He said, you can't use that for anything else. That's holy unto the Lord. You can't use that for something else. I wish we would understand the difference between the sacred uh, in our ministries today, particularly in music ministry. Uh, We we have a, a, a generation that doesn't understand many times the difference in that that's set apart for God and God alone. We used to call it sacred music because it was for God. It wasn't for commercial airplay. It wasn't, and it doesn't mean you don't listen to praise songs. It just, you didn't make Christian songs to make profit and money from them. It wasn't an industry. It was a worship thing. So let me give you some reasons to praise, praise God. If you woke up this morning and you're still awake, not talking about sleeping. I'm talking about if you haven't passed away. You're more blessed than the million people who didn't survive last week. Did you eat something yesterday? During the last breath that you just took, the last breath that God just lent you, two children just died of starvation. Every day, more than 16,000 Children alone die from starvation in the world. How blessed we are today. If you're healthy enough to be here, you're more blessed than 11 million people. 11 million children who will die this year from preventable diseases before they reach their fifth birthday. If your parents are still alive, you're more blessed than 12 million children who were orphaned this year. In southern Africa alone. If you earn more than $130 a month, you're more blessed than 1.2 billion people who currently live on less than $1 a day. How blessed we are. If you have a bank account with any money in it, any at all, not, it's not about amount. This is just one that isn't in, you know, that checks aren't bouncing. Amen. How blessed you are. You're among the top of the world's wealthiest people just because you have some extra money somewhere. If you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you're richer than 80% of this world's population. I think we could be a little more thankful. We take a lot of these things for granted 
If you can worship God without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you're ahead of 20 million real Christians around the world who face these threats every single day of their life. If you own a Bible and can read it, you're more blessed than over 2 billion people in the world that have never had the opportunity to learn to read. So I ask you, how blessed are we? All of us are sitting here today more blessed than we could ever know. Amen. So, today, no matter what our circumstances may be, how difficult or painful, we still have something to thank the Lord for. Amen. Hallelujah. A famous stress researcher claims that two attitudes more than any other influence the quality of everyday life. And on these two emotions, he says, depend our peace of mind, our feelings of security or insecurity or frustration. In short, the extent which we make a success out of life. The most destructive emotion is revenge. But in contrast, among all the emotions, there's one which more than any other accounts for the absence of, or of the presence of stress in human relations, and that is the feeling of gratitude. Someone else said it's impossible to be anxious and thankful at the same time. Hallelujah. Thanksgiving is productive, someone else said, because it makes us forget our problems, the negative things, and focus on the positive, the good. Perhaps the next time we're all keyed up and stressed out, we should start thinking about thanking. Everybody say thinking about thanking. Can you say amen? The next time we're so stressed out, we need to start thinking. Of, and you didn't do more to just think about it. You need to start practicing it. Offer unto the Lord thanksgiving. It will please him more than an ox or a bullock. Well, in Psalm 50, they are offering the prescribed sacrifices in the sacrificial system. And God is looking past all of their obedience to what he prescribed for them to do, and he looks at the attitude of the heart with which they are doing it. Not just the activity being right, but the attitude being right. And he says to them, because they're offering these things, you know what they said in Isaiah, it's 58, he said, why, how is it that we fast and you don't see? How is it that we're sacrificing to you and you're not listening and you're not responding to us? What's wrong up there? Can you say, man, we're quick to send our complaints up to God's complaint department, which, by the way, is closed. Can you say amen? He's not listening. He does not respond to it. You have nothing to complain to him about. We have a lot to comply with him about. In everything, in everything, set it on the radio broadcast, our Thanksgiving a special broadcast, amen, going to say it here this morning. If you want help getting the flesh on the cross, try praising God consistently. You will have to crucify the flesh to do that. Because your flesh, like my flesh, we like sympathy. <laughs> we like people to sympathize with us. And what we need and what God wants to give us is victory. Which would you rather have today if you could make the choice this morning before you leave this building? Would you like to have us say, oh, poor you poor thing? Or would you like us to say, look what God has done in his life? Can you say man? 
Would you choose victory over sympathy? Well, your flesh won't. Your flesh would rather have sympathy and not even discipline itself to where we could have victory. Because your flesh is weak. But I'm going to tell you, when you override your flesh and praise God anyway, amen, then your spirit is taking control and not your body and not even your mind and your emotions, but your spirit is taking control. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are good report, whatsoever things are lovely, if there be any virtue, if there be any incentive to praise, think only on these things. Can you say amen? That's the discipline of the mind. And when the mind is disciplined, then the body can be brought under control. I buffet my body and I bring it. Oh, if Sean, I feel him right now saying buffet. <laughs> Spelled the same way, but used differently. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. That's why Philippians 2.14 said, Do all things without grumbling, murmuring, and complaining. Do everything without grumbling, murmuring, and complaining. Your flesh wants to do that. If I hit my thumb with a hammer, you see the little black spot is still there. It's almost gone. Uh, that's where I hit my thumb with the hammer. <sighs> Religion tester. We talked about that last week. But I have hit it so hard that it bleed. And I would wipe the blood off, but then I would let it get bleeding again. My flesh loves sympathy. Because I want Pamela to see how bad I have hurt my thumb. And I want to say, oh, honey, what did you do? And I'm saying... <laughs> I got a boo-boo. Can you say amen? <laughs> amen. Having somebody, somebody to sympathize. Your flesh wants sympathy. Amen. And it will live in a poor old me attitude <laughs> instead of a consistent gratitude and praise unto God. If we let it, if we don't count our blessings, someone said count your blessings instead of sheep, you'll be amazed what the Lord has done. Hallelujah. Count your many blessings. Count them one by one. And you will be amazed what the Lord has done. A missionary to a group of people in a leper colony before they came up now with a cure for leprosy. They can't cure what it has done to the human body, but they can cure it doing any more. And he was visiting a leper colony. And many of them had come to know Jesus as their Savior. And he would ask them what they would like to sing when they held their morning service. And about a hundred lepers in various stages of that disease, uh, destroying them, those cells turning against the body and, and beginning to, to eat away the nose and eat away the appendages, the toes and the fingers and making people look grotesque. And said a woman sitting on the front row that had become a Christian. And he was asking what songs would you like to hear? Said she lifted up a hand that had no fingers. A hand that had no fingers that the leprosy had eaten away. She wore a veil because leprosy had eaten most of her nose away and took away all of the beauty of this woman. And she looked grotesque to look straight in the face. And she raised her hand without fingers. And said, I want us to sing, count your many blessings. Count them one by one. And you will be amazed what the Lord has done. 
He said, from that day forward, I never forgot. If that woman in that condition can see the goodness of God and the mercy of God in spite of that circumstance and count her blessings, then I have no reason to complain. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Say it with me. Count your many blessings. Count them one by one. And you will be amazed what the Lord has done. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I thought of Sean this morning. If I can find this in my, in my notes. I don't know if I brought it. I think I did. And, uh, and maybe I didn't. If I didn't, I thought of him this morning. <laughs> because if, oh, I, I did. I did. You'll appreciate this today before we finish Psalm 50. They ask elementary school children, 10 years old and younger, to write down what they had to be thankful for at Thanksgiving. Charlie is a prolific writer, and he is passionate about eating. In fact, I think he thinks the Golden Corral probably is the Garden of Eden. Amen. So this is from Charlie. He, this is what he wrote down. So I'm reading it like he wrote it. He's a prolific writer to be 10 or 8 or 10 years old, whatever he was. He says, starts his letter with, mmm, M-M-M-M-M. How many know what mmm is for? He said, mmm, I'm going to read it like he wrote it. My mom talking about making her awfully wondrous chocolate chip pumpkin bread. Awfully wondrous. Boy, when you get, when you get gratitude, I, I mean, you know, you talk different. You get a passion for something. Amen. You just want to serve God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body when you're filled with thanksgiving. If he can get this passionate about pumpkin bread, we ought to have a little spark for God this morning. Can you say amen? Mm, my mom talking about making her awfully wondrous Chocolate chip pumpkin bread makes my mouth water. I'm devoted to it. What? I'm, yes, that's what he wrote. I am devoted to it. I'm so famished. I just can't wait to sink my teeth in that bread. I'm so thankful for food, all of it. One of my favorite, well, pretty obvious, he put that in parenthesis, well, pretty obvious, is chocolate chip pumpkin bread. Food to me is like dying and going to heaven. <laughs> and then, I told you, he's a prolific writer. And then he writes, ding, that oven sound alarms me with joy. <laughs> You know what the oven does when it heats up and it's ready to bake pumpkin bread. Can you say, man? Ding! That oven sound alarms me with joy. I can't wait to get me a slice of that bread. Can you say, man? I'm going to tell you one thing about old Charlie. Amen. He's thankful for his mama's pumpkin bread, chocolate chip pumpkin bread. Praise God. And I got to thinking about that. I got to thinking that. He said, I'm so devoted to it. <laughs> Can you say amen? You know what keeps people devoted to God? Continually 
revisiting the cross and continually falling in love with Him for what He has done on that cross. When I take the focus from me to Jesus on the cross, I lose the poor old me's. There's no place for me to complain, for I am blessed. I am, I am highly favored, and I am well defended, and I am well provided for. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I, behosa, I go through some things, and my flesh wants sympathy. It does. I want Pamela to see my boo-boo. I want her to see it with blood on it. I don't want to wipe the blood off. I have took my thumb to show her with the blood running down to my elbow. When holding a paper towel, and I thought as soon as she sees it, I'm going to catch it and wipe it off. Because it don't take long to stop the bleeding, but I want her to see it while it's, it's, I want her to say, Oh, honey, what have you done to your thumb? Amen. And then I, then I'm feeling better already because I got sympathy. But I would hate for that thing to keep on bleeding. Amen. Because after a while, I wouldn't just want sympathy. Because if it kept on bleeding, I'd want somebody to stitch it up, fix it up, stop the bleeding, and give me victory. Can you say amen? Honey, when we're complaining, if you're complaining today, if I'm complaining today, we're bleeding spiritually. The joy is bleeding out of us. The faith is bleeding out of us. Amen. The, the joy of living is bleeding out of us because somebody asked me about my grandma, 105 years old. What is the key? Everybody's asking everybody. And some people said you do this. Some people said don't do that. I can't tell you what my grandma would say, but I'll tell you what she did. If it was raining, she always saw the glass half full. She never saw it half empty. Never in my life did I, if it's pouring down rain, she says, oh, what a pretty rain. It's going to make the grass so green. If the sun is out and it's hotter than a $2 pistol, can you say amen? Then she looks out and says, boy, look what pretty, pretty day this is. I can hang my wash out today and it'll dry in an hour and a half. Whatever it was, she saw it half full. She never, I never heard her worrying, walking the floor and worrying. I never heard her complaining about her life. Amen. She had a healthy attitude toward life itself. And Israel had a healthy attitude toward the practice of their religion. They forgot about their heart where God was looking. Because where does man look? On the outward appearance. And to the outward appearance, when Psalm 50 was written, and when the book of Isaiah was written, Israel was at the apex of their religious worship. They were bringing the prescribed sacrifices. They were offering them according to God's prescription. The incense was mixed like God said, mix it. They were burning the incense. The singers were singing the praises that were set to sing the praises. And God looked past all that He required and all that they were offering, and He looked directly into their hearts. And they were wondering why they were doing all of this, and He wasn't responding in Psalm 50. They wondered about that. Isn't it something? It's human nature to question God and not ourselves. Amen?
God is so good. Psalm 50, Psalm of Asaph. The mighty God, even the Lord has spoken. He has called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. Our God shall come and not keep a silence. A fire shall devour before Him, and it shall be very tempestuous around about Him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that He may judge His people. That He may judge who? His people. Where does judgment begin? At the house of the Lord. Can you say amen? Gather my saints together unto me, verse 5 says. Those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against thee, for I am God, even thy God. I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. He said, that's not the problem. The practice of your religion is not the problem. There's more to answer prayer than developing your faith. I said there's way more to answer prayer than just highly developed faith. God looks at the atmosphere and attitude of the heart. Amen. Listen carefully. He said, I'm the judge. I'm the one that's going to tell you what the issue is. You see yourself practicing your religion so faithfully and perfectly. He said, I won't reprove you for that. You're doing what I told you to do. But I'm looking at your heart. It's not the activity that has the problem. It's the attitude of the heart. It's the atmosphere within the heart. You know, the Bible said that God, they that worship God, it's an imperative They must worship Him in spirit and in truth. In truth. And we can't worship... I'm not talking about just praising Him in tongues. I'm talking about in our spirit man. In our heart of hearts. Amen. There is a truth. And we need to be honest about our heart. God knows our heart. Man doesn't know it. We can impress man with our religiosity. But we can't impress God with it. Amen. It's all about attitude before activity. Attitude has to precede the activity. Amen. Listen to me carefully. This is so important because we're getting ready to know the joyful sound, but we'll never know the joyful sound until we get our prayers answered. Amen. And we're in a fellowship relationship with God so He can bless us. People are sending complaints up to heaven, and the complaint department is closed. Amen. It's closed. Do everything without murmuring, without complaining. Do everything without complaining. Can you say, man, if you want to crucify the flesh, if you're really serious about taking up your cross and following Jesus, try this on for size. I will bless the Lord at all times. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're going to have to override the sympathy-seeking flesh. Amen. And get some victory down in your soul. (laughs) And want victory more than sympathy. Can you say amen? How many would rather walk out of here and say, I am blessed? 
I am blessed, I am blessed, blessed, blessed. Rather than walking out here saying, I am, <laughs> I am toe up from the flow up. Can you say amen? Amen. You'll never be blessed until you have a thankful heart. You can't enter God's presence without a thankful heart. Enter into His gates with what? Thanksgiving is the master key to approaching the presence of God. Enter His gates. Before you even get an opportunity to express your praise to Him personally, He's looking for an attitude in your heart. The gates don't open to grumblers. And our flesh loves to complain. Amen. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Come before His presence with singing. Enter His courts with praise. See, before we open our mouth, something in our heart is already being scrutinized by God. That's why the woman at the well said her first desire after living water was to worship God. She came to Jesus now. She didn't come to Him for healing. She didn't come to Him for fulfillment or help. She already got help. Amen. She came to Him to find out how to worship acceptably. And she said, Jesus, Jesus where can we go worship? Do we worship in that, that city that's called the holy city? Or do we worship in that mountain that's called the holy mountain? And Jesus said, the time has come that now is that neither in that city as holy as it is. And that mountain as holy as it is, is the place to worship God. But true worshipers shall worship Him in spirit and in truth. For the Lord seeketh such to worship Him. Can you say man? I love the fact that God draws near to true worshipers. The moment we begin to worship Him in truth, in spirit and in truth, hallelujah, God draws near. He in fact inhabits the praises of His people. You know why that manifestation of God comes? Because the word inhabit means enthroned Him. We put Him in His place. I love to put God in His place. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, Brother Venable, what are you talking about? The first place, the only place that God should be in my life is being sitting on the throne of my life and the throne of my heart. In Asia... They say this about that scripture because they were used to in ancient days when, when their, their monarch or their king, when they carried him from one place to another, they would make this, this thing for him with poles through it that they could pick up and carry him. His throne moved with him wherever you took him. They put the throne in that. They picked it up and he was on his throne no matter where he went. Praise God. They enthroned him. And praises from the heart enthrone God in His rightful place in our life. And that's first place. And when God is first, everything else is going to fall into place. But until God is first, nothing else can fall into place. If we try to get and circumvent that and get around that, God is going to be somewhere down the line. Amen. And you know, where, you know what your flesh will want to do? Sit where He's supposed to be sitting. Can you say amen? Amen. Your flesh would rather complain than praise God. And if you don't learn how to be thankful in your heart instead of complaining all the time, God can't bless you. Do all things without murmuring. 
you think Paul would write that? Because he knew the weakness of our flesh. We have a propensity towards seeking sympathy. I don't want, as a child of God, to be known as a down-and-out guy. I don't want to be known as a, somebody that, that is just like the world out there. Amen? I have a Father in heaven. Can you say amen? I have a Savior. He's my sovereign and He's my Savior, but He's also my brother. Can you say amen? I have friends in high places. Can you say amen? Oh, no, I'm not talking about the Yacht Club on Davis Island. I'm not a member of that. I'm not talking about that golf resort uh, somewhere. Amen. I'm talking about higher than that. Oh, oh, no, I'm not friends with Mr. Trump. Can you say, man? I've never been invited to any billionaire's home. But I have friends, David Hobbs. I have friends. I have friends in high places can you say man and i'm grateful to be called a child of the most high god today i'm proud to call the god of the universe my heavenly father and i'm glad to call jesus my shepherd king and i'm glad to say like shambach said <laughs> the lord is my shepherd he's all i want can you say amen? Hallelujah. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If you want to hear a sob story, he said, don't come to me to hear it. If you want to hear someone sing the blues, don't come to me to hear it. Because my God is a shepherd king. And he loves me. And he makes me to lay down in green pastures. And he leads me beside still waters. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he says, he says, you know what? Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And when this life is over, I'll dwell in his house forever, aged without end. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm looking for someone young. It's getting more difficult to find someone that could be. You're still young. Not you, Willie. You. <laughs> you're younger than me, but you're. How old are you? How old are you? Woo! You're younger than him. How old are you? 51. Okay, you qualify. Uh, 53? He don't look 53. Say it. Say it. Ain't it so? I, I thought he was 50. You're 50? Oh, come on, you can do it. You can, you've been volunteered. Come on, you've got that energy. You've got that strength. Hallelujah. I need you. 43? 51? 53? Okay, I'm going I'm to use him because... I'm sorry? 50. I need, I need two because I need goodness and mercy. I don't need one without the other. I need both and I need a bad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All you have to do is follow me. All you have to do is follow me. David said, because the Lord is my shepherd king, goodness and mercy will follow me. Amen. It's not a matter where I am because whether, wherever I am, his blessing. His blessing. Hallelujah. This is... Mercy, because he's so big. Can you say? 
<laughs> and this is goodness right here. Amen. Because I need mercy from him and goodness from him. Well, let's just, I'm just going to go over here. The Lord is my shepherd, so. And I'm just going to go over this way. Amen. Whether shall I go from thy spirit? Amen. David said, where can I go if God is my shepherd? He stood and looked out over the Mediterranean. And he said, if I take the wings of a dove and fly out, amen, to where the horizon meets the sea, he's there. Can you say amen? He said, if I make my bed in hell, the grave, amen, even there, thy hand shall uphold me. He's saying whether I'm in the grave, whether I'm in this city, whether I'm in that town, wherever I am, goodness and mercy are going to follow me. All the days of my life. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, oh. And goodness and mercy is why we are blessed today. So the Bible said if you hearken diligently. If you hearken diligently unto the words of the Lord your God to observe and to do all that I command you this day. These blessings shall come on you. And they shall overtake you. And it doesn't matter where you are. They will find you. Whether you're in the city or whether you're in the field. These blessings will come on you. And they'll catch you. They'll catch you. They'll catch you. They'll catch you. They'll find you. God is a man of his word. He watches over his word to perform it. His eye is on the sparrow. I know he's watching me. Can you say man? You may be seated. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, my friends, we're going to know the joyful sound. And it's not just going to be from other people. We're going to hear it out of our own mouth. Can you say man? Surely, 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 surely. Woo! Hallelujah. Surely, surely. All over Tampa, people are practicing their religion to the letter. And God is looking past that. He commends it. He said, that's not the problem I have. It's not the offerings that you're bringing me. They're prescribed and you're meeting the prescription. He said, it's something entirely different. And here's the deal as we close this morning. Because if I don't start closing now, we won't ever close. And I smell pumpkin. I smell pumpkin bread. Can you say man? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 8 of Psalm 50 says, I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. But I will take, I won't, see he's not receiving the worship. He's not receiving the praise. He's not receiving the sacrifice without the attitude. The activity without the attitude is not received by the Lord. It's all in vain. How many people are going to walk into a church service this morning the choir has practiced twice and they hit the high C perfectly that organ hits that high note and everybody gets an emotional lift but whether or not God is impressed is a whole different thing 
Can you say amen? Somebody's going to go in and hear part of the service in Latin. But whether God is impressed is a whole different thing. Some people are going to walk in a church with a steeple so tall it interferes with satellites flying in the sky. But God isn't impressed unless the heart is sincere and truthful before him. He said, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where is the house? Where is it? I want to see a house big enough to contain me. If you're trying to impress me, and it's always for God, isn't it? No matter how tall we build it, how beautiful. And I think God's house should be well equipped. And it should be a nice place. But when we're trying to impress him with buildings, he said, there's no place contain me. But listen to what he does say. He says, he says, where's a house you'll build to me with heaven, my throne and the whole earth, my footstool. To whom will I look? What impresses him? What will draw his presence? Even to him that is a humble and contrite spirit who trembles at my word. Can you say, man, who reveres me, reverences me, seeks to obey me, worships me from the heart? He said, you can't build a house big enough, but if I find a heart like that, I'm moving in. Can you say, man, I'm moving in, I'm moving in, I'm moving in, I'm moving in. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. You know what the church is? That's where the temple goes to worship. Church is where the temple goes to worship. Your body, not this building, but your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It's where He lives. Hallelujah. So all of this religiosity. I went to church and we, we went through this. We did that. The choir sang and I give my hand clap. I remember watching one Easter in a large church in this city and I won't call the name. It's not to criticize. I just noticed, can't help but notice when you're singing on Easter Sunday morning and you've got a choir of 150 people and they're all in their best robes and they're singing good and they're singing songs of victory. But when it scans them, they're all... And this was a Pentecostal church in its origin. But nobody is doing anything but standing in rigid... And singing the high praises of God with no emotion. You know what my Bible says? Serve the Lord with gladness. All your lands come before His presence with singing. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 So we were just looking and said, boy, I'm glad we're not there this morning. Because they're not worshiping. (laughs) We may not have many people, and we sure don't have a cloistered choir. But we worship the Lord. (laughs) And I want to be where He's getting worshipped, more than just where a show is being put on. Amen. So, but somebody had left here after coming here for 23 years and went to that church. (laughs) And evidently hadn't been taught how not to worship yet. You've got to learn not to worship. It's your nature to worship. Amen. You've got to learn not to show emotion in church. It's your nature to show emotion. Anybody ever watch Let's Make a Deal? 
Or what is the one where he says, come on down. The price is right. You just might get a Maytag washer, son. Can you say amen? You give it to your mama on Mother's Day. But on the other hand, you might get a new Thunderbird. He said, I'll take that. Buy my mama a washer. Can you say amen? Down at the used place. Anyway, moving right along. <laughs> what happens when they tell somebody to come on down? Tell me it ain't your nature to show emotion. Come on. Come on, sis. What do you do? What would you do if you're there and there's a possibility you can win a brand new automobile if the price is just right? And he says, Nisi, come on down, girl. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Sure she would. Hey, and you think that's something? What if she guessed the price of the car? Or they spun that thing and it landed right there? And she got the brand new automobile? (laughs) Yeah, she'd go praising God in other tongues. (laughs) And that guy would say, she's so excited she can't even talk. She just lost the cap- capability of speech. No, she's just talking praise to God. Hallelujah. 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 The voice of thanksgiving. The joyful sound. Make a joyful noise unto. Make a what? Make a joyful. You've got to be thankful to do that. You've got to be filled with gratitude to do that. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 Let me read from Jeremiah and finish. I'm going to finish this. No, let me finish this. Oh, let me find my Bible. I should have never took my glasses off. My shoe is untied. But I'm, I know it's untied. So I'm going to try not to trip over it. May have to take them off before it's over. Why shouldn't I have holy socks? Not, not H-O-L-Y, but H-O-E-L-Y. Anyway, how, how do you spell? Uh, yeah, well, how about the other holes? No, how about the hole where your toe sticks out? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Mike will be back. The professor will be back. He'll straighten us all out when he gets home. Hallelujah. This is is so exciting because we're going to know that. We're going to get to hear that. We're not just going to hear it from other people getting victory in here like Rose and Brother Taylor this morning. We're going to hear it from our own life, our own family, our own voice. You're going to shock yourself one morning. You're going to be like that guy in that pumpkin bread. You're going to hear the oven ding. And you say, boy, God just cooked up something good for me. Hallelujah. What did he say? <laughs> when that oven goes ding, he said, ding. That oven sound alarms me with joy. Something is done. Something is finished. Something is provided. God, my mama's not just cooking it anymore. It's done. Can you say, man? And it alarms me with joy. 
surprised by joy. Get up one morning and realize what you have in Jesus and say, Woo! Hallelujah! I just can't wait to sink my teeth in that bread. <laughs> Hallelujah. Makes my mouth water. My mom talking about making her awfully wondrous chocolate chip pumpkin bread. I'm going to tell you something more wondrous than pumpkin bread. And it's the bread of life. Hallelujah. He is the true bread that came down out of heaven. And he's ours. And whoever eats of my body and drinks of my blood, hallelujah, he can partake spiritually in the fullness of the blessing of my presence, my person, my power in his life. But it's a spiritual communion. It can't be done with the wafer. It can't be done with the grape juice. It comes when we worship him in our personal life. When we go into a prayer closet and we spend time with him. When we sing his praises. People thought I was holding my wife up. I was afraid that she, they thought that, that, that I had abducted her. Because we're coming to church this morning. Praise and worship is on the radio and she's got both hands raised. And I thought they're going to call 911 pull me over. Say, so you let that woman go. <laughs> Give her back her car. <laughs> Scumbag. <laughs> Can you say? That's what they call bad guys nowadays. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to step away from that car. It's my car, officer. <laughs> and why she got her hands up? She's praising God. What? What? Nobody does that in public. They don't even do it in most churches. We scan that choir. We look down that choir, and there was a little lady down on the end in her robe, standing with all those frozen chosen. With both hands up singing. And my wife looked and said, I know her. She's one of ours. <laughs> I said, look, I got up and went over to the TV. I said, she is one of ours. She came here to church. They, she don't know how not to worship. She hasn't learned not to worship. She hasn't learned how to walk out. Have you ever seen preachers sitting on the platform and the choir is singing this glorious song? He's going to do the preaching. He looked like he'd been baptized in vinegar. Amen. And you're saying, come on, preacher. Come on, you've got to do more and preach at us. You've got to show us something. You've got to be more than just a, a divine uh, disclosure of spiritual theology and stuff. Amen. You've got to be an example to the flock. If you want your people to worship, you're going to have to start worshiping at some point. And you're going to have to do it unashamedly. And you're going to have to lay aside your dignity. Ark comes back after being gone. Israel is vulnerable until the ark is back in its rightful place. But when that ark came back in its rightful place, the king of Israel, who happened to be David, knew what God was looking for. And he wasn't looking for one of these formal things. He was looking for something from the heart that was genuine and real and honest and sincere. Amen. And David took off his royal robe. That didn't mean he was in his briefs. He had an undergarment under the robe, but it was getting in the way of what he was getting ready to do. 
So he still had his belt on, amen, and he pulled up his undergarment and stuffed it in his belt so his legs could be free. This is the king of Israel, and all Israel is looking. Come on, we need some examples today, Brother Hobbs. We've seen, amen, preachers telling us what we ought to do, but we need to see them do something. Amen. I went to revivals that had five or six pastors from the city sitting up front. Amen. The glory of God is coming down, and they're sitting there thinking, I hope none of my sheep go over there. (laughs) They're sitting there thinking, boy, that guy's preaching so good, man. Be glad when he leaves town making me look awful bad. Amen. I mean, look, they got to be thinking about something other than Jesus. They're not smiling. They're not hollering hallelujah. Amen. They're sitting there like a bump on the log. I remember going to a Brother Shambach meeting one time in a tent meeting in Tampa years ago. We're talking about when the fire used to fall. The presence of God used to come down. I went in that meeting, and I was still a little self-conscious about just being free in the Lord. And I went in that meeting, and I sit down behind a man, and he was the most dignified-looking other, other than this brother here this morning because he don't have a vest on. That's all he needs, Stacy Adams' shoes and a vest. Anyway, he's sitting there in a three-piece vested pinstriped suit with a tie that coordinated he just looked so straight and tall like you did a while ago. Amen. Not how you got up this morning, but how you looked a while ago. Amen. And I was thinking, boy, that guy right there, he, I, and I, I, I really thought this. I thought, you know, that guy right there, he's so dignified. He's in that suit like that, and he's in a meeting like this. I don't know if he's ever been to a tent meeting. I don't, I don't know if he knows what may happen. <laughs> and I expected him at some point. To just get up and leave and think, ah, man, I don't know about all of this. And so I was thinking, that is Stacy Adams. Sawdust floor, sawdust floor, old canvas tent, them old light bulbs, you know, big old 600-watt light bulbs strung across here, there, and yonder. Amen. Hot, humid, skeeters. But we were hungry. We were hungry for God. And we're, I was sitting there thinking that he'll probably get up and leave when the, when the power of God starts and the anointing starts falling. Amen. And, and I wasn't thinking about me. I was, my mind was on him and off the Lord. And I said, Lord, forgive me. And I just started worshiping God and said, Lord, you take care of him. I'm going to worship you. I'm not going to worry about what he thinks about. I don't even know him. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to worship you. I'm not supposed to be thinking about him. I'm supposed to be thinking about you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. And all of a sudden, the power of God come in that tent. They were singing the high praises of God, and the anointing came down. Amen. And I don't know when I got up, but I was running full out around that tent. And, you know, you get self-conscious when you get conscious of self. <laughs> Can you say amen? And I became conscious of myself running. And I thought, here I am. Well, you've got to do something. You don't want to explode. It's better to run than just, I just got so filled with praise and adoration. I'm running, I'm running, and I'm feeling a little bit, suddenly I'm feeling like, you know, how, how it gets you realize what you're doing. You wonder, if it's, is it appropriate? Am I in order? <laughs> and there's a guy running in front of me, outrunning me. <laughs> There's that cat in that pinstripe suit, vested suit, all coordinated. And he is, he's gone, brother. Woo! Beep, beep. Yow! 
Hallelujah. Roadrunner ain't got nothing on him. And if me and him running around that tent, glory be to God. Well, you don't have to run. You don't have to do those kind of things. If you want to, you can. But I want you to know there was liberty under that tent. There was victory under that tent. And you could hear the joyful sound. Because those people didn't go there seeking sympathy. They went there seeking victory. Hallelujah. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory. How He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. Hallelujah. Somehow, through that sacrifice and that cross, Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Hallelujah. Well, let's finish Psalm 50. Hear, O my people, verse 7, verse 8, verse 9. I will take no bullock out of thy house, no he goats out of thy folds. In other words, you can offer them, but I'm not accepting them. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Let me tell you something about God. When you worship Him, you're not fulfilling a need in Him. You're giving to Him what is rightfully due Him. Pining away because you don't worship. He can do without your worship. But if you're a Christian, you can't do without worshiping Him. It's for our benefit. It's for our blessing. It's for our relationship to Him. So they're doing all this religious stuff. And He said, you're not feeding something that I need. This is for you. So that I can bless you. He said, well, I eat, verse 13, the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats. Offer unto God. Thanksgiving. Pay thy vows unto God. You know what they are. Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll go to church Sunday. <laughs> Did you used to do that? Oh, I've told him many times. Amen. Instead of giving him thanks, I just got out of the trouble. Then I went right back with my craziness until he fully saved me. Pay thy vows. And they took you to jail anyway, didn't they? Amen. This is an incredible thing, David. Offer unto God. You're doing all the religious stuff that I require, and you're doing it right. But I want you to do it with a heart filled with gratitude to me. Because that's where I look before I receive any of the offerings that are being offered. And that's why man-made, flesh-driven religious practice is so dead. And that's why Jesus said to a church in the book of Revelation, Thou hast a name that liveth, but you are dead. Can you say, man? And that's why a choir can sing songs without a tear in the eye without a smile on the face, without any gladness of heart. Singing, not vertically, for the glory of God, or 
or, but singing horizontally for the hand clap of men. And not only that, the people sitting in the audience are not drawn into the vertical worship of God. Come and magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. They're watching the choir sing. And they are being entertained. And worship is not for the entertainment of the people. It's for the blessing of the Lord. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Although, I love to see people truly worship. God loves it better. Pentecost has a name that lives. But there are many Pentecostal churches you wouldn't know it when you walked in. We have filled all the vacancies for the presence of God with every known program to entertain, to try to get people to just show up on Sunday. But I have found if you get a move of God going, <laughs> if this church caught on fire, literal, Flames, we all ran out, and flames are leaping up. People in this community would stop to watch her burn. And I'm going to tell you something else. If it catches on fire spiritually, somebody's going to come to watch us burn for God. Amen? Because they're used to the practice of religion. They've done it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. It's redundant. It's repetitive. And dead religion can't impress God with it. Hallelujah. Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows to the Most High. And what happens in the next verse? Not before then. This is, this is not a matter of faith initially. This is a matter of thankfulness in all things. In everything with prayer and supplication... Don't miss it. God requires it. Don't let it. You can miss that being so focused on the petition. Offer unto God thanksgiving and call on me after that. In the day of trouble, I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. Can you say man? But you got to be thankful before you call on him. Because he said, nothing you can offer me will satisfy me until I see a thankful heart. But when I see that, I'm drawing near. Listen to me carefully. This is, this is important. In all things, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God with thanksgiving. And what happens? And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart Everybody got one point at it, and your mind. And your mind. Where, where the devil is seeding the worry, seeding the fear, seeding the negativism. It'll keep your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. But you've got to do it with an ingredient that is indispensable to getting an answer with thanksgiving. Can you say, man, hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> The joyful sound is going to come from somebody that God has come through for. Somebody that God has delivered. Do you think she glorified God with that testimony? Do you think God is glorified if you're complaining? You think he gets any glory from murmuring? From dissatisfaction? The most thankful person that you'll ever find is the person who is so satisfied with God. 
Hallelujah. Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Now, here's the problem. We think God is like us. We think God is like us, that we can con him with our religiosity. He said, don't you think for one minute I don't know your heart. Don't you think you can do anything on the outside that will keep me from seeing what's really on the inside? There's nothing hid from the eyes of him whom we have to do. Can you say, man? And he's talking about judgment coming. It begins at the house of God. Listen to what he says to ancient Israel. Verse 21 says, These things thou hast done, and I kept silence. And what did he say? Seest that thou hatest instruction, verse 17, and castest my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou consentest with him. Thou hast been partakers with adulterers. By the way, loving the world, he says, that's adultery too. It's on a higher level than the physical. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speaketh against thy brother, thou slandereth thine own mother's son. These things thou hast done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself. You thought I can con these people. I can put on a religious show to these folks, but... You thought I was like you, and I couldn't see through that veil of pretense. But I will reprove thee. Set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. We've had a good time here, but we're getting down to the serious moment of this service. There are things happening that has nothing to do with the devil. We can't continue to blame him for it. There are things happening in people's lives because they won't hear his instruction. And they live a life of compromise. They're unthankful. And they're playing church. And they're pretending. And that pretense, if you go to AA meeting, you're going to have to get honest to get any help from them people. You're going to have to stand up in front of everybody there and say, I am and alcoholic. Amen? Because if you're not willing to get honest, you can't get any help. My son and I clashed one day. He said, Dad, I'm just self-medicating. I said, medicating with alcohol? Show me a doctor that will prescribe that you do what you've done with your life and your health as a prescription Show me one doctor that will write you a prescription for 100 proof so that you can dull the pain in your heart and the emptiness in your life. Don't tell me. You can't tell me that. I know what a, the spirit of addiction is, pharmacos. I know what it is. I know where it comes from. I know how to see people set free from it. Can you say, man? 
but you've got to call it what it is. If you're backslid, you can't just say that you're a nominal Christian. Amen. You know what Vance Havner said? If you say that you're a worldly Christian, you might as well to say the devil is a heavenly devil. There's no such thing. You're either a Christian, you either love the world, or, or you love God. You can't love one and love the other simultaneously. You will love one and hate the other. Or you will hate one and love the other. But you can't serve two masters. You've got to make a choice. And when Jesus is Adonai, when Jesus is Lord, hallelujah, then you can live in liberty. Then you can live in freedom. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God said, you, you, you don't get me. You think I'm like you. You can't be fronting. Come on, you can't be fronting. When you get in the presence of God, you've got to get honest. Your worship can't be phony, not attached to true devotion. What did they say? Barnum and Bailey with their side shows and freak shows you can fool some of the people all of the time and some of the people all of the people some of the time you can fool all of the people some of the time and some of the people all the time but I'm going to put something in there but you can't fool God none of the time we say we have no sin But if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us. And when that reconciled relationship is realized and fellowship is restored, amen, the joy of the Lord <laughs> becomes your strength. Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. Hallelujah. Praise God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Verse 23, the last verse. Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me. And to him that orders his conversation aright, I will show him the salvation of God. Salvation here has nothing to do with the cross. Salvation here has nothing to do with the resurrection. It's nothing to do with having sins forgiven and becoming a son of God. Salvation in the Hebrew means you're going to see answers to prayer. You're going to see deliverance again. You're going to see your enemies vanquished. You're going to see God provide for you and protect you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I feel it coming on. Ding. Ding. God's cooking up something. And it, come on, God is cooking up something for you and for me. And I got to close with this and let's get ready to have a closing song because we're going to need it today. Hallelujah. 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 Jeremiah 30, 18 through 20. The, Thus says the Lord Behold, I will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob. And have compassion on his dwelling places. And the city will be rebuilt on its ruins. See, he's bringing them back out of Babylon. And he's in the restoring business. And the palace will stand on its rightful place. From them will proceed thanksgiving. 
and the voice of those who celebrate. Everybody say the joyful sound. Glory to God. And I will multiply them, and they shall not be diminished. I will honor them, and they shall not be insignificant. Their children will also be as formerly, and their congregation shall be established before me, and I will punish their oppressors. He said, I'm not only going to give my people victory, I'm going to punish everybody that oppresses them, including the devil and his minions. So God's people are blessed. God's people are restored. Prayers are answered. Thanksgiving is offered continually. And their oppressors are punished before our eyes. Hallelujah. What is it? If you dig a ditch, you better dig two. If you dig a ditch for me, you better dig two because one of them ditches is for you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Somebody give him some praise. We're getting ready to go home today. But my heart rejoices. Goodness and mercy following me. All the days of my life. And when I draw my last breath here, I'll never, ever go through that old valley again. I'll live with him forever at his house. And his house is coming down here. It's just a joy from beginning to end. God is so gracious. Did you learn anything about being thankful today? How many want to get rid of stinking thinking? I'm so glad the election's over, for better or for worse. I'm just glad it's, well, they won't hardly leave it alone, but I'm still glad it's over. It's hard to preach with everybody thinking about the Republicans and the Democrats. It is. I just wonder how much of the word is lodging when everybody's got their mind on this and that and the other. Other things choking the word. Ain't nothing to choke it today unless you let it happen. God is in control. God is in control. And something shocking did happen. Shocked the world. And God's not done. He can't be done because if he was but listen, ding. God is cooking up something. I, I, I love old Charlie. Charlie's passionate in his thanksgiving. He's ding. <laughs> that oven sound alarms me with joy. If, if everything's working together for good, to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, you should hear the ding right now. You should hear ding. God's cooking up something and it's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when it's all said and done, we with all of our problems, frailties, failures, fears, doubts, everything we have to face, enemies, we will dance on the streets that are golden. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Let's give him some praise before we go home. Are you ready to gobble till you wobble with thanksgiving to God in your heart? It's okay to celebrate. Turkey is a good thing. Only turkeys don't give thanks. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.